Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. I'm David, and we have still have a guest named... With special guest star, Matt Lonzo Karpowicz. <laughs> Insert air quotes in there. And musical guest, fun! And our very <laughs> special guest is here for a very special episode. Oh, man. You know, I knew there was no way Karpowicz was a real name. <laughs> Interesting. Well, nobody can spell it, so it's possible it's not. Yeah, that happens sometimes. It's not that hard to figure out once you figure out what the first letter is. So it is the third part of the Agenda Trilogy, the last part, the the one where you know it's serious because they switch over to Roman numerals uh, for the episode title. Which is kind of... Why? I, I, I hadn't actually... Like, I write down the, in my notes, like, the title of the episode, so when I edit it, I can put it on the file. And I ha- hadn't actually paid attention to Agenda Part 2. I just wrote 2. And then I saw 3. It's like, wait, Roman numerals? What? what? Did I miss something? Apparently, it, they just changed. Why? Who knows? Reasons. Well, so they didn't we want last... people to think they'd missed the previous ten parts of the agenda when they did the agenda part two. <laughs> so when we last left our intrepid Maximals, they were under fire from both Megatron and the Turncoat Ravage. Who inexplicably they, turned into a cassette, even though he obviously can't turn into a cassette like that. Yes. Well, it might have just been a hallucination, because he's back in Jaguar form piloting the ship. Yes. Okay, fine. Yeah, well, we don't see him again in piloting the ship for a while in the episode, so who knows? Maybe he just keeps slipping back and forth. He had to get to the end of that side. Or, yeah, he probably just wanted to <laughs> listen to his tunes during the fight. and. You know. Can you listen to the tunes when they're coming out of you? That seems weird. I, uh, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> as long as got... there's a speaker. Well, that's true. It sounds but different. There, can you I hear the speaker from inside the tape deck? <laughs> Just depends on how it's set up. Hmm. Anyway, so not only is he besieging the base, but also the surviving Predacons, which in this case is Rampage and Quickstrike. Oh my, Quickstrike is still in this show, and he's riding a yes. tank full of crab. <laughs> it's it's pretty badass. Yeah, Rampage oh, yeah. is just just letting Quickstrike ride him, which seems yeah. undignified. It it does, but it Quickstrike well, is only in like half the episodes of this season, isn't he? Like every other episode, it seems like he's gone. Yeah. Well, like they're both arth are they both arthropods? Well, no, one's a yes, an arachnid. Well, one is half is. of an arthropod. <laughs> half arthropod, half snake. It's yes. the part with the legs, at least. Yes. My theory uh, yeah, based so on what's ra- going to happen in a bit is that Rampage just didn't notice Quick Strike. Yeah, because the Autoguns knock him off Rampage, and Rampage just runs him over. And Cheedor and Optimus wince. Oh, yeah. He just, he just gets There's so scorpion good. guts everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I figure it just, stuff came out of him. It's like stepping on a packet of ketchup. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Now, I, I didn't notice, but did Quickstrike actually get any lines, or did he just show up? I I think he made some noises. Yeah, he shouts. I'm not sure if it was full words, though. Well, that's enough yeah, to get know. his voice actor a paycheck. Yeah. I mean, Rampage doesn't actually have any verbal lines, either. I think he, he laughs, a bunch, though. He laughs, and he makes a bunch of Rampage noises. Which could have just been stock noises that they has lying around at this point. Well, no, because the laugh is definitely new. It is? Oh. He definitely has a laugh like that. It seems like there there would have to be some kind of union rules against, like, using your character's previous laughter and not paying you for, to get out of paying you for the episode. Well, I figured they'd probably pay him, but, like, they wouldn't have to have him come in the studio just to laugh. Yeah, it could be, like, you still get royalties, you don't get a session fee or something like that. Yeah, you get, like, half pay or something. But anyway, this is all just a setup for an amazing Rat Trap action sequence. Yeah. What? Oh yes. Rat Trap knows who Evil Knievel is. Yes. <laughs> Does he? He says he's going to Knievel out there. It's, it, well, no, he it, goes into Knievel mode. Oh, Knievel mode. Yes. He refers yes. to his vehicle mode as Knievel mode, and then, and then he he, will... he uses it to drive up a ramp through a hole in in the bridge's ceiling. One of the Plus many highlights in the Axelon. And then the shield blinks out for a sec to let him go through, and he lands on the uh, the ship with a uh, welding torch. <laughs> which is, like, in the shape of a gun, which, okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's some kind of gun that also has, like, a welding torch mode. Yeah, I mean, that seems reasonable if you're going to do, like, a, a sci-fi plasma torch that you design it something like that. Yeah. The flamethrower design for the flamethrower duster uses in G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra looks kind of like that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's got a cartridge stock, too, doesn't it? Uh, like a, It looks like there's an Energon crystal or something in there. Well, someone's got to power it. Like there's something blue and glowy True. that powers it. If I were writing the sci-fi description for it, I would call it a plasma cutter. Yeah, yeah plasma cutter. All right, so the before long, this brings down the shield, especially once Rampage fires what appears to be a giant nuclear missile at it. Yeah, because he, he actually, well, you see the display from his point of view when he selects a specific missile, but I couldn't actually see which one it is. It's probably the nuke, because yeah. it makes a big explosion. Yes. And then this this prompts uh, Rhinox to actually come out of the base, and we get two huge guys firing two huge guns at each other. Yes. <laughs> First we get Rhinox saying, well, that's just dandy. Oh, he's got a phrase yes. now. Oh, wait, wait, has he seen Space Dandy? No. I don't know, but clearly he's seen some John Woo movies. Oh, which, wait, actually brings me back to a second before that. Rat Trap said something about this, called himself a stainless steel rat. Yes. And he's read books by Harry Harrison. Yes, that is a, that is what I like to call a deep cut there. That's a big deep cut. That was a a reference to... An old sci-fi series that I, I forget if I actually read any of them. I know I've read other stuff by Harry Harrison. He's kind of like a he's kind of like a Han Solo kind of character. Basically, yeah. Although I, well, yeah, he's kind of sort of sneaky and conniving, like like Han before he becomes a hero. Or he's kind of like Rat Trap. Yeah, that well, it, it, it's a perfect <laughs> moniker to call it. It works in both ways. And he is literally a stainless steel rat. <laughs> that would be the second way, yes. It's Bob Forward gets a thumbs up for that reference. That's that's the yes. best reference of the show. Oh, yeah, this episode has a lot of references. Are, yeah. yeah. Oh, so. there's so many references. 
anyway, Rhinox is jumping sideways while shooting guns, and he's the most badass Rhinox has ever been. I'm not sure it's the most. It's tied with the time when he fired the chain guns so much that he was buried, like, knee-deep in shells. <laughs> right, I forgot that. Yes. <laughs> okay, this, this is a close <laughs> second. This, this is a more action-y badass right Yeah, now. yes. Because he's, he's just seen some John Woo movies. Uh, early stuff. So yeah, Tarantulas is now in the ship. They're, they prepare a gigantic missile. Ridiculous. It seems to take up, like, like half of the ship's mass is in this gigantic missile. Yeah, I I don't know how it got up because it's like right behind the cockpit, but the Maximals had been in there right behind the cockpit before. So where was this missile stored earlier? Maybe it was in like a crate disassembled, and he put it together. Maybe I guess that's what Tarantulas has been doing when we haven't seen him for most of these episodes. That's right. It's like just in there with an Allen key and a bunch of missile parts. <laughs> yeah. Uh. S-K-U with umlauts over it, D. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of deep cuts. Yeah. Uh. Nice reference. But before they can launch this uh, bunker buster at the uh, at the Axelon, Rattrap bursts in, glues a couple of grenades to Tarantulas' hands. No, he he has sticky bombs. Yeah. He has timed mines that he picked up on the lower level of the facility. So he's so when the level's over, he's going to get the AC-10 rating from uh, <laughs> Goldeneye. <laughs> oh, Goldeneye. Miss that. And so, yeah, he glues these to him. Then Rattrap just gets out of the ship, but rides this uh, gigantic missile like uh, Slim Pickens. Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Is the right. Yes. Another Actor. reference for Rattrap. Rattrap is full of references this episode and he's been reading i mean obviously they the maximal elders like might have cut off or or edited some information about earth but obviously they kept an awful lot of it around or rat traps wording it (laughs) that is entirely a possible and appropriate did did the explode the explosives on tarantulas did they actually blow him up they don't blow him up well, but they, they blow, blow him up. Ravage us. Yeah, they they blow up the the cockpit, so I guess Tarantulas gets them off, and yeah, hey. in peace. Well, no, I the, like we see that fire coming from the back. They blew him up. I I, yeah. I think this falls into what I said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what I said last episode about how after they you know they were dictated who to kill off at the beginning of season two, they decided to just kill them all and let Hasbro sort them out. So, yeah, Tarantulas looks dead. I mean, he okay. doesn't look dead, but the ex- there's a gigantic explosion that one would be fair to believe yeah. killed him. Yes, and it, but it, it's... Ravage Rav- lets out a much sadder Decepticons forever as he yeah, sees uh, the fireball coming toward him. So yeah. Oh, Ravage. He's out proudly. Oh, poor little Russian. Live for that long. He survived for that long, and Rat Trap killed him. He was killed. As we're going to see throughout the rest of this episode, Rat Trap is the maximal MVP here. Oh yeah, this noble, this noble Decepticon, this noble Jaguar, this poor cat was eventually brought low by a mere rat. I can't believe he died before he had the chance to do the pose from every single comic book and box art. <laughs> <laughs> Bottle sheet jump. 
<laughs> Maybe I'll get a redeco of Cheetor next year. You know, if, if he'd done that model sheet jump, he might have got out of his ship before it exploded. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that, that, oh, that would be something to go back in and remaster these episodes and just have a cutout of Ravage in that pose jumping out a window. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, that ship crashes while Rat Trap's doing his strange love stuff on the missile. And it, it just narrowly crushes, or it just narrowly misses crushing Rampage. Yeah, it, it misses crushing yeah. Rampage. It slides in between rocks. Rampage is there. He's pan. He's actually panicked for like the I think the yeah. first time in the entire series. Oh yeah. And he stands up. It's like, oh, I'm fine. And then the missile starts beeping. And well, I'm sorry, Protoform X, but we're gonna give it to you. And it's a nuke. <laughs> X, you're gonna give it. Yep. The crash sequence is awesome. It's like something out of Die Hard 2. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The wings come off, and it's sliding across the ground, and everything's shaking, and Rat Trap bails at, like, the last possible moment, and it's just... They must have lifted it from somewhere, because that is... Well, no, I don't want to give them that little credit. But they very obviously were looking at a bunch of reference material for how you show something crashing and make it look awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Megatron is uh, somewhat put out by this series of events, but uh, he's not finished yet. So he he transforms to dinosaur mode and he takes off. Yeah, he scoots out, but Rat Trap from the explosion, the nuke gets flung through the air, lands in Rhinox's arms, and then goes full Bugs Bunny. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the note I had. It's, it's like ah, my hero, and then he kisses Rhinox. And then Rhinox just drops him. Yes. Uh, so clearly, Looney Tunes is part of the Earth culture that the Maximals have access to. <laughs> yeah. Or he just got told tales of it by his great hand Artsy. Yes. <laughs> ah, possibly. In the big DVD collection. Optimus Primal notices that Megatron isn't heading back to the Decepticon base. In what seems like one of many examples in this episode of Optimus having read the script, but trying not to make it too obvious this time. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it feels like, like, it, again, it feels like a missing scene, like Dinobot told him stuff to expect that Megatron might do. He did! It just happened yeah. off screen. Yeah. We know yeah, that happened. clearly knows what's going on, and he's not telling anybody else what's going on. Which seems <laughs> like a bad idea at this point. At least not telling well, he, Rhinox. He's like, got to. He's got to tell Rhinox. I mean, because of the end game. Yeah, I mean, Rhinox kind of seems to know. It's Rhinox possible they like told Cheetor and he forgot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or he just didn't quite understand, and so they gave up. Or I guess Rhinox would be smart enough to figure it out on his own. They tried to tell Cheetor, but he wasn't listening. <laughs> and also, Rhinox. So they, they pursue, Rattrap is on Cheetor back, and Rhinox has to hop on the uh, the monkey surfboard, and he is not having it. No, oh, I like it. He, Primal just says, Rhinox, get on, in parentheses, me. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, they're the, they're the baradads of the Axelon. And he kind of has to do the little gesture, and while they're flying, we see Rhinox looking down and not looking too happy about it. No, he oh. is terrified of heights. Oh, yeah. And it makes sense, because if there's one Maximal who was never meant to fly, it is Rhinox. Yeah. 
And he seemed more comfortable when he was falling out of that ship, because at least he was going in the right direction. Yeah. Oh, falling. I can understand this. <laughs> Flying, no. I know not meant to fly. Um, well, you know, the well, jumping back a scene a moment, I thought it was kind of funny that they were allowed to show Rat Trap kissing Rhinox, but they weren't allowed to show Silverbolt kissing Black Arachnia. He kissed him on the cheek, though. And, it was, and also, yeah, it's easier yeah. to figure out how their mouths work. Yeah, it's like figuring out lip-on-lip contact. That's just, it's too far, and it's also too hard to animate. And also, it's 1997, so clearly male-on-male affection isn't sexual. No, no. And also, you you got to figure out how he's kissing her with that weird dog face of his. Yeah, it's just... I mean, oh. he theorized earlier that there's probably a lot of licking involved, and nobody wants to see that. Tom. Yeah, and, I mean, if you really wanted to figure it out, you're probably going to have to hire furries to do concept art. Nobody wants to do that. I, I do think we've neglected to mention that, uh, speaking of uh, hiring consultants, uh, that Ben Yi, uh, the uh, longtime <laughs> fan and fan site operator, was the Transformers consultant for these uh, past three episodes. Ooh. I believe he was also the had the same job for uh, Possession. Huh. I believe that. his Wasn't his website one of the earliest fan websites for the show and was in the habit of posting early scripts? Yes. Not early scripts as in before they came out, but like early versions of scripts that may not have reflected the final episode, but reflected what went into the recording booth. Right. Yes. He was definitely one of the big early proponents of the series. I mean, I long ago when we started with this, I, I talked about how a lot of the old fans were really wary to be nice. Uh, he was one of the ones who really, you know, was was a bit big advocate for the series and that you know that paid off for him i guess you could say yeah. but yeah he, he he was someone who that they could trust to be friendly uh which you know we saw with some later series all the stuff that happened with uh with bob skier we we can see that that's not sadly something that you can assume from the fandom yeah uh, but yeah basically he was someone who Bob Ford and Larry Dottilio realized from ATT that that would be approachable and would be helpful and would be good to have consulting on these things because he was just someone who was always so positive about the series from the very beginning. I remember you going online and just looking through all the toy reviews he did for the toys in addition to the material he had about the episodes and reading about these things called BotCon exclusives and, oh, there's a convention for Transformers. (laughs) I'd like to go to that someday. Yeah. yeah, but but yeah, so that's that's how he, you know, got pulled into that was mostly just just by not being a jerk about things. Remarkably hard kind of person to find on the internet these days. Yeah. Yes. Well, Ben Ben uh-huh. is a very nice guy, oh. and I don't mean that uh-huh. in the way that that's come to mean. He, he is not a capital N nice capital G guy trademark. He's just no. Yeah. He's a very he's pleasant a dude. person. Thumbs up. Yes, he is a very pleasant person. I've hung out with him at many botcons at this point, and yeah. So yes, he he got to be one of the the first official big name fans, and that was actually why he got away with. I I have heard. I forget whether that was. I forget the source at this point, uh, but I believe that was why he was allowed to have the botcon or the uh, beastwars.net. Uh, URL without any sort of uh, trademark challenge to it, oh. uh, just as as part of the uh, 
his agreement with them, they, you know, they were cool with that. They didn't hassle him because he was someone who had been helping out. Well, at some point, though, he changed over to to, to BWTF.com, though. Yeah, well, long after Beast Wars was was over and having... Ben's world of Transformers. During that point where Beast Wars was too old to be entirely cool, but still... Or too new to be, yeah, too old to be entirely cool, but too too new to be retro. I can I can figure out words. Yeah. When it was in that point, like you know, well into the the Unicron trilogy, he was like, you know, maybe I should change the name to reflect that I am not just covering Beast Wars. And that's when he went over to uh, BWTF and yeah. Ben's World of Transformers. Uh, just too, you know, not especially because as, as Transformers has grown as such a, a big thing, yeah, you really don't want to just narrow yourself, make it look like you're narrowing yourself down to one particular incarnation if you're not. Oh yeah, and he was pretty on the spot with covering Armada stuff too. Yeah, just like imagine a, a website branded Energon. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. I had license Oh, you mean the Hasbro that, Collectors uh, Club? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. I had license plates that said, or uh, you know, car tags that said Minicon for quite a while. Though I guess that has remained yeah. at least moderately relevant. It's come back in a yeah. slightly different form now. Yeah. If you had a website form. labeled Energon, you could have some remarkable potential and just squander it. Yeah. That's... <laughs> So, uh, meanwhile, uh, Black Reckon and Silverbolt are having the worst date night ever. And they're still clearing away a bunch of rocks, but they finally make it their way into this cave, which turns out to be a volcano, uh, and also is full of giant ancient spaceship. Hold on. Skipping over the heroic rubble cleaning and one of the best lines. Oh, you're right, I did. We get something that would be a almost unforgivably awful fourth wall-breaking joke. If they didn't manage to entirely justify it in character and make it awesome in that respect, too. Yes. Multiple uh, levels. Yeah, Black Rag- or Silverbolt compares Black Ragni to uh, the planet Venus. Uh, and, of course, she's played by Venus Terzo. Ha ha. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. But as she notes, that means that he thinks that she's hot, poisonous, and deadly. <laughs> and takes it as a great compliment. Yeah, she does. And then he's like, wait, oh, wait, no, that's not what I... Oh, oh never mind. Yeah, I'll just go with it. They're so great together. Yeah. <laughs> we also get Black Rachnia commenting, what is it with guys in high explosives? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I love the lighting in this shot where... it. I had that exact same note, too. It's great. You see the rocks, and then the rocks fall down, and the, and the, the foggy lighting, like, it kind of makes me think of an Indiana Jones movie where you're breaking through a wall, and the fog and the lighting, it, it's... Such a beautiful shot for such a short scene. It's like they didn't have to do that, but it just looks nice. With the flow behind them, you could barely make them out. And she has her high explosives line. Oh, and we missed a spot. Well, Jen missed a spot where where there's a crow as Megatron flies by. Oh, yes. yes, I I noticed it, but, uh, yes, that was around the point where I managed to, uh, to knock over an entire glass of water on my coffee table, so I... Forgot to actually write it down, but there was totally a crow. Our crow friend has returned yep. and made crow noises. I, I'm surprised they actually noticed that, since 
at this point, this is one of my favorite episodes, so I was having a bit of wine with this episode. Uh, <laughs> my notes are a little sketchy in places. The music cue for the reveal of the spaceship is amazing, and then Silverbolt picks up Black Rachnia and carries her over the threshold of the ancient historical artifact that they've just discovered. Well, yes. they they name it at that point, too. They yes, call they it do. the Ark, uh, yes. which was actually at the time, uh, as I recall, a name that had been exclusively used in the comics. They never really gave it a name in the cartoon. That's correct. It was only ever Autobot headquarters. Yes. So that was one of those things that that had the uh, the comic faction of the fandom like yes, it it was exciting at, at the time. Yeah, I think it's the first time the arc was ever mentioned like by name. Yeah, it could be. Possibly. But yes, and they they reveal it, and it, it was it was it was very exciting at the time when it aired. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we get a really cool sequence immediately after this as Black Rachnia delivers the exposition about why, if you weren't a fan of this from the 80s, you should still care about this. Yeah. And it does a remarkably good job of explaining exactly that. And then also, the cinematography is just super cool with them, like, panning around Black Rachnia's head with her talking, going from the shot inside the volcano to a shot of Cybertron in, like, daylight with the arc launching and then zooming in on the arc launching and transitioning from the orangish gold metal exterior to the captain's chair and transitioning out from behind that and then holy crap it's g1 autobots new model overload it's it's not exactly like the you know the the actual original more than meets the eye episode scene but it's close enough to be like ah it's so just good. amazing like the, they built the arc and the inside of the arc and optimus prime and, and there's like a blue streak and uh ratchet I and saw iron ratchet and jazz there's a yes. jazz there i know i know there's I a ratchet and iron hide i paused it and watched it back a few times and i think the person on the far right <laughs> the way far background is jazz okay so that's like Four-ish new models, at least, of robots, plus the ship and the interiors. They put so much new stuff into this episode. It's mind And the Decepticon ship pursuing them. Yeah. Well, we don't see the Decepticons inside the ship yet, but... We don't see the Decepticons inside the ship, but... Yeah, they did another capital ship, too. It's... Wow. Well, I guess they're going to get to reuse that one. Spoiler. <laughs> Wait, how would that happen? So I mean, it would be spoilers for the end of the episode to say why, but I, I don't think they're going to get to reuse that. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's amazing considering they honestly they could have just used a couple of scenes from G one and just had like a filter over it. It's like ooh, this is old memories or something. It's like why does it look? I, mean, like I don't know if they would have had the rights to that. They probably wouldn't have had the rights. Yeah. No, but but that they actually put the time and the detail into making so many models that. They only really needed to like to have the arc and then a shot of Optimus Prime's face to get it across. But no, they did so much more. Admittedly, we don't have like bumblebees and a bunch of other guys. Don't have dozens of new models, but more but than they one. Kind of do more on that later. Well, there's a yeah. few more. There's like uh, I think eight new models total, maybe, not counting the ships. Yeah, but, but and, still, they and they are pretty nice looking models. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to convey the impact this had at the time, uh, you know, 
you know, in 1997, when now, you know, you can buy a zillion toys of Optimus Prime and easy in comic books and cartoons, but, you know, at the time, yeah. Optimus Prime and his compatriots were relegated to sun-faded uh, VHS tapes and uh, duller bin comics. Yeah, I mean, at the time, something having a Transformers reference was like, oh my god, this yeah. is the most... Like, I'm, I'm using that a lot because that's <laughs> kind of how I feel about things. But but yeah, and that is is also how I feel about this having all these G1 references. It, it was like a big, amazing deal. Like, wow. Yeah, it, it's a giant nostalgia bomb. Because in the first season, we just had Starscream. Second season, oh, we get Ravage. Hey, that's good. Oh, my God, we get so much more. As somebody yeah. whose sole exposure to... Real G1 had been G2 Toys and the Transformers the movie. This still managed to feel super consequential. Yes. They did a really good job of just making it feel big and momentous and impactful. And the characters treating it with the reverence that they do and the cinematography treating it with the reverence that they do and the almost ridiculous scale differences just makes the entire thing resonate. Oh yeah, when we get to the scale differences that that's that's a big thing we'll get there but at some point Brock Arachnia calls Silverbolt Jojo? Yes. Well, I mean that makes sense. This is a pretty bizarre adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good Rob, I didn't have to make well, a reference myself. <laughs> well, no, it's because he's Jojo the dog-faced boy. Oh, that's that's uh-huh. what I was wondering it's like that can't be Jojo's bizarre adventure. She's been doing a lot of uh, dog pet names with him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone else has, too. Yeah. True, I guess she's just had more opportunities than most. Mm. Yes. Poor guy. I mean, uh, was, that a, was that a pun there with uh, pet names? <laughs> it sounded like one. <laughs> it wasn't entirely deliberate, but I'll take it. Okay. She also goes she on to call him Bone Brain. Yes. <laughs> Which I think works on three levels. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And I do have a question here, though. What exactly is Black Arachnia planning to do with this ship? Well, exact- hide it? Maybe we have a ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She might want to get off the planet. That would seem... Like a bad idea? It's a bad idea, but... And I'm pretty sure that ship has never... I guess in the comic, it, it eventually flew again. <laughs> I don't know if if they have... I don't know if the art can get back off the ground again at that point. I mean, that's kind of... Uh, that's, that's shooting for the stars there. I don't know. Maybe there's a shuttle inside it or something. Could be. Or if not nothing ridiculous. else, there's so much ancient technology inside that thing, you could probably turn it into a pretty secure base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess if you had to, but you got a perfectly good one. Unless somebody drops off a cliff or something, that'd be dumb. Well, Black Arachnia <laughs> doesn't have a perfectly no, good base currently. No. Well, this is true. So it, and she, she has the keys. She yeah. does have the keys, as we find out that she stole all the way back in Coming of the Fusors. Well, it's not so much that she has the keys. At this point, she kind of is the key. I really appreciate that we we talked before when it happened that Black Arachnia was really bad at lying. And I appreciate that at this point it becomes clear that Megatron obviously didn't believe her, but was just, you know, like, sure, whatever. 
I'm not going to press it until it's important. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of importance, Megatron's here. Yeah. Because for one thing, that's one of those things that makes him seem, if he act, if she was being that bad of a liar, and you could see it being something that was like just being played up for the audience, but it really would speak badly of him if she was being that bad of a liar and he did not actually notice. Yep. Yeah. So it's nice at this point, it's just like, no black arachnia, you stole all my stuff. <laughs> now open the door. I, I love the dramatic timing of Megatron showing up the instant after Black Rackney is looking at the Ark and saying, it's all mine. Nope. <laughs> and, uh, and in a reversal that I enjoyed here, Silverbolt becomes the damsel in distress. Oh, yeah, that's so nice. Obviously, Megatron wants in. Black Rackney does not want to let him, and he can't shoot her because she is the codes. Yeah. But he can shoot Silverbolt. <laughs> yep. And she initially tries to call his bluff. Yeah, but, but she's again, still a bad liar. She's not a good liar. So she eventually gives in, and because she she, she does love the big lug after all. Mm-hmm. Although and, she claims uh, yeah. it's not because of that. It's because the Maximals are going to show up any second and try to shoot them both, so they better get inside. Yes. But, again, not a good liar. No. And so he gets access to what he describes as Teletron. Well, it's got two A's, you know. Oh, but after Megatron closes the hole behind him with the rubble, shoot the explosion. Well, I think he shot it after, like, just as soon as he showed up, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he shot Black Arachnia. Silverbolt got blasted into the arc by the uh, kind of splash damage and then blasted by the arc's force field and knocked down. And then Megatron looks back at the hole and blasts it shut. And then the Maximals get there an instant later and Optimus commands them all to start digging. Yeah. He's all, by Primus, no! Yes, yes. He is very concerned. I mean, rightly so. Yep. And so Megatron gets in, and it's big speech time. Oh, such delicious big speeches. He tells Black Rackney to use the Ark's autoguns to keep the Maximals busy while he goes to effect a more permanent solution. Yes. The most permanent solution, really. Oh, wait. It's hard to solve this particular problem more thoroughly. Is yeah. is this where Primal makes the horrible diecast joke? Yeah, it's when, they, they, when yeah, the Maximals get in to... and they're trying to get into the ship. Yeah. Yes. Turn on the autoguns and yeah, there's a gag about how diecast construction is a lost art. And it's kind of yeah. cheesy because he says it right at the camera. <laughs> yeah. Yes, at, at least does. he commits to the fact that it's a bad joke. He smirks <laughs> at the camera. And also it's after Rat Trap says that ship wasn't built, it was poured. Yes, and, and Primal says diecast construction. It's, it's a forgotten art. Also, it's a lost as soon as, art. It's a lost yes. art. Also, and as soon as he sees the arc, he continues being cryptic, but his crypticism is now apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> apocalyptic. Accurate, but... <laughs> I'm still not telling you what is going on here, but uh, it's super bad, trust me. Well, at this point, he doesn't really have time to explain. Just trust me, it's and, bad. And speaking of things that aren't really explained, the, they shoot this main gun, and that somehow just shuts down all the defenses and also opens the doors up a titch, because, listen, this episode is ending in five minutes. Well, it, yeah. exploding the gun well, no, seems it doesn't. to overload the system, which shocks Black Arachnia and knocks her out. So I guess yeah, that turns Black off Arachnia the shield. Yeah, knocks her out, knocks out the force field. Rat Trap is trying with the doors for... Longer than 
Optimus is willing to put up with, so he just has Rhinox blast them and then try no. to Hercules the doors open. It's more than Rhinox can put up with. Rhinox just gets fed up and shoots the door. <laughs> and also, Primal, why aren't you helping with this door? You're a big, strong monkey man. Yeah, he should have been trying to force it, but instead, yeah. Rhinox is the one prying open the door, which is nice. It's like, Rhinox is, oh shit, I know what's about to happen. I read this too. <laughs> I read that file. Anyway, inside we have Megatron walking in and starting to speechify again, and then he starts hovering, and oh, it's so wonderful. Now and, I enter and, these hallowed halls a conqueror. Is is that like a Roman emperor quote? I don't believe so. But or it, Alexander the Great or something. Much like a lot of Megatron dialogue, it sounds like it could be. Yeah. yeah. Or Shakespearean, maybe. It's hard to tell. Anyway, while he's hovering down a hallway, we see... More new models. Well, one modified, better model, and some new ones. We, d- we definitely see Starscream. We get a nice little reflection in his dead eyes uh, effect. Yeah. Poor Starscream. You were that close to being able to inhabit your old body. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's a few more miles away, and you would have had it. But then he would have had two sparks in one body, and... That'd never work out, would it? Oh, no. Not a, dumb. Especially not if you share the yeah, same name. No, 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 no. Anyways, there's also <laughs> Skywarp and a Soundwave and some other guys it's hard to make out. You probably figure out. I just didn't bother. And these guys are all huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yes. This is where the scale comes into, because the door didn't really... Well, the outside door seemed kind of big. The inside door didn't seem that big, but Megatron is like one quarter or one fifth the size of these guys. I mean, you could always assume, based on how they interacted with indigenous life that had a a known size, that Beast Wars Transformers were much, you know, much closer to human size. But here it's really brought home. Oh, Oh, yeah. Black Arachnia, whenever she's doing her Matrix Eyes code beaming thing to control the ship, her neck is pointed up at a 45-degree angle to meet the uh, input terminals. Or speech well, they also said that um, some of that was for dramatic purposes, like when Dinobot is standing, you know, on a high hill in the distance, they intentionally shrunk the model because otherwise it wouldn't look as cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of that in what's coming up with, like, Megatron is the size of Optimus Prime's head. Yeah, ludicrously gigantic, but it, it's very effective. It's like he's in a hall of giants. Well, I think that was the effect they were going for. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, it's great. Really works. I'm and, resisting uh, the urge to just quote Megatron's entire speech. Yeah, I kind of just want to quote this whole speech, but it's a long speech, so, and I can't do it better than David K. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I wanted to do it too. I just didn't even bother writing it down. It's like you well, know what? Give David K the respect. David, can you edit the speech into the episode? Yeah, I might probably be able to do that. Great war with the Autobots defeat the Decepticons, and thus their descendants, the Maximals, rule we Predacons. Okay, again, a jump guzzlers. How dare they? Unwilling though I was to follow my namesake's instructions, it has all come down to this: the ultimate risk for the ultimate prize. A day of reckoning with those who made us slaves. I think that's a small enough clip to be fair use. 
Yes. And, and certainly we're telling you in this review very enthusiastically, please watch these episodes. Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. It's spectacular. Yes. I mean, and certainly it's a good monologue, but it's not as good when it's not paired with the visuals, which are also excellent. So Megatron has done his speechifying, and Megatron wins. Time yeah, he, gets, he gets to his goal, which is Optimus Prime, and he blows his head off. Optimus yeah, he Prime. charges up his big old gun and just blasts Optimus Prime in the head, which just, we were talking about the use of scale before, and this is just on an entirely different scale, because they start zooming out while Gary Chalk's doing the big no that he's famous for. Oh, yeah. Yes. And they just show this vortex getting bigger and bigger. Oh, it's because it starts inside the ship at Optimus Prime's body, then outside the ship, hitting everybody else, outside the mountain. You can see it from the edge of Earth. You can see Earth orbit, and it just keeps going and going. It consumes the planet, and it keeps going. It's it's a giant time storm. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Not... Nope, not quite. Beast Wars Megatron is the best Megatron. Because he has another short speech after Primal's panicked maximum in his screaming. Evil triumphs. And you, pointing at the viewer, he says, you no longer exist. (laughs) End of the episode. To be continued, question mark. Question mark. (laughs) Series is over, guys. Yes. And the next season yet. The series is over, and also the universe is over. I've, yeah, yeah. A, the first season ended by killing Primal and maybe some other guys, and it's like, oh, the Beast War's over, we're stranded on Earth, that sucks. No, this destroys Transformers, the entire war, it rewrites time itself, destroying the universe. Megatron wins by killing everything. He kills time itself. Yeah. It's amazing. What's happening to Optimus to kind of help visualize this is really cool with him just shifting back and forth between his beast faces and his robot mode faces from both versions of himself. Yeah, he's flickering back through time. Yes. And Megatron's taunt at the end is just, and I say this with all due respect to Doctor Doom, one of the best villains of all time. Doctor <laughs> Doom wishes he could have a moment of triumph and a victory taunt as amazing as this. Yeah, I I haven't actually read Secret War, the recent Secret Wars yet. I don't think Doctor Doom's going to have a speech this good, especially since he loses at the end. No, Megatron wins at the end of this season. Wins everything. Admittedly, by yeah. destroying everything, but he wins. He's the yes. most successful Decepticon, Predacon, villain pretty much any cartoon ever. Yeah. Complete and total success. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's exactly what he set out to do from episode one. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's what he thought he wouldn't be able to do in episode one because he thought he was on the wrong planet. Yeah. <laughs> And so no, he, didn't say, he does say he was, he says he was reluctant to follow his ancestor, well I don't know if they used the word ancestor, but he was reluctant to follow those instructions up until that very point, I think, when it became clear when, uh, you know, he couldn't win, I guess, yeah. so it was like the final gambit. Well, we, we know that he was there before, and I guess changed his mind and blew it, and, you know, he dug an entrance and then he blew it back up. 
I right. think if I can no prize this, I think it's that instead of killing Optimus Prime, he wanted to just kill humanity because without the assistance of humanity, the Autobots wouldn't win the Great War, but it would have less risk of affecting the Predacons. Yeah, like he was trying to find a way to like kill humanity and maybe seal up the shuttle for longer, maybe, but it's going to blow up in 1984 anyway. But yeah, it's like he he chooses his own destruction to win, mm-hmm. and then he kind of have what he wants. He's just going to blow it all up. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't know what's even going to happen to you know himself if this happens. Yeah, yeah but. The thing is, like, as everything else around him is being wiped out, he's at the center of the vortex fine, as it works out. Well, as we're seeing his words at the end, he's the only one still standing. He exists outside time. And, yeah, this is an amazing way to end the season. Uh, it would have been an amazing way to end the series, although a bit of a downer. Uh, it would <laughs> there is another season, but this would have been a great ending. Yeah, there's there's another season, and there are more toys to sell, so I don't know what's... Where do you go from here? I was and hoping I have we could leave the it... writers kind of didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I was kind of hoping we could leave it vaguer so we can do, like, a bonus episode next time and pretend that's where the series ended. <laughs> I kind of feel like if that was where the series ended, it would be one of those things that, like, everyone with even a vague interest would already be aware of. Like, that series with that completely messed up ending where, like, like how the Mighty Max cartoon ended with a time loop that went back to the first episode. Uh, Or how dinosaurs ended with a mass extinction event. Okay, that's kind of similarly ballsy by killing everyone. (laughs) Or, uh, was it Exo Squad that ended by, like, the war stopped and aliens showed up out of nowhere? Yeah! Yeah, that's, that's it. And there was going to be, like, no, it turned out there, according to the the rumor, was that it was going to have some Robotech tie-in because the toys did. But apparently the Wikipedia page clears that up. Well, yeah. Or the USA Double Dragon cartoon that revealed in the last episode that despite all logic, the main bad guy of the entire series was one of the two brothers who was one of the main characters and had been fighting that bad guy on screen in previous episodes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah for reasons no, no th- th- this ending makes se- it makes sense in a crazy time travel kind of way but oh just, oh, Beast Wars Megatron is the best Megatron yes he is Yep. D- despite reminding us what G1 Megatron was like just last episode yeah he manages to be better he does what the original Megatron never could. Well, I mean, he kind of did in the movie. <laughs> kind of, but not really. He shot I mean, he did decide. <laughs> well, there were also fewer giant griffins involved. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is... I mean, this this whole season has been the high mark of Beast Wars, and definitely one of the high points of Transformers fiction in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, and it it all sort of fits together. It's I mean, it, you know it's very episodic, but it also you know there's strong continuity between all 13 episodes, and it it all really comes together and in a way that you don't see a lot on kids. T- you certainly didn't in the 90s. Yeah. 
in the nineties, you didn't see this kind of fitting together on TV in general. Like, no, there was Hill Street Blues, and then there was Deep Space Nine, and then there was like The Sopranos and Buffy, and a few other things around that time. And that's Babylon when that five. really kind of started. Yeah, Babylon Five. Yeah, Babylon Five. Babylon Five is kind of similar, considering how like the end of seasons would be important. Until they ended the fourth season the way they wanted to end the fifth season, then they had to make a fifth season anyway and didn't have anything to do. Yeah. <laughs> Just made up stuff. And J. Michael Straczynski did do a ton of uh, kids' cartoons in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He wrote, like, a ton of the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think he wrote a bunch of He-Man as well. Yep. Hmm. And I believe Jace and the Wheeled Warriors. Yes, <laughs> I think he was the showrunner for that. Oh, okay. wow. the head writer or something. Has the best and opening. <laughs> he also wrote, I think, the first two episodes of the Spiral Zone, but he had his name taken off of them. Oh. Huh. The sheer amount of Babylon 5 he wrote is unprecedented. Like, he wrote more of Babylon 5 than Aaron Sorkin wrote of shows Aaron Sorkin is noted for writing. <laughs> wow. He could have technically gone to the Hugo Awards and just plopped down Babylon 5. Seasons two, three, and four. <laughs> yeah. And what, what's more impressive is that he probably wasn't on nearly as much uh, cocaine as uh, Aaron Sorkin was when he did his shows. <laughs> yep. And then he started writing Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, it's not so good. It started out okay. Writing uh, a serial always seems really unpleasant to me because then you can't go out and revise the earlier stuff. I say as a novelist. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's probably one of the bigger reasons that Charles Dickens is so respected, because he's writing all his stuff without a tightrope, publishing each yeah. chapter as he finished it. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, that is the agenda. And, uh, you know, please join us uh, next time, if there is a next time. <laughs> Question mark. We're probably going to have to watch, I don't know, Beast Wars Neo or something. Well, some yeah. Yeah. You know, do some sort of interstitial episode, do some wrap-ups, maybe, you know, read some uh, viewer mail, if we or listener mail, if we uh, get some listener mail. It would, would be nice. Please, please, yes. right into the Maxim mailbag. Yes, that's right. Stasispodcast yes. at gmail.com. Yes. Tell us about where you thought this was going, because, uh, remember, there was there was a long... This, this aired in March... Uh, next season didn't air till October. So what did you think was going to happen at the time? Oh, man. I mean, I, I had ideas at the time, but they would have been ludicrously expensive to produce. <laughs> I figured this was it. It's like, oh, that's done. <laughs> it's a great way to go, but man. But until then, if reality still exists, you can find us all over the internets. We are on Twitter at at StasisPod. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash StasisPod. And we're on Tumblr at stasispod.tumblr.com. And our RSS feed is hosted by iaconunderground.net. And we are also on iTunes, presuming that nobody has gone back in time and killed Steve Jobs. That would be really unfortunate. Yeah. I'll be using, uh, I'll be using uh, you know, Galaxy phones. Yeah. And, I'd uh, say this well, as a Nexus user. Yeah. And, <laughs> and while you're there, uh, you know, just wouldn't as be using Megatron... Nexus phones without Apple, Samsung wouldn't have had anybody to rip off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, just as Megatron carved his message into the uh, into the golden disc, please carve your messages into iTunes, uh, rating and reviewing us. But do not actually carve them into your computer, uh, because even if somebody blows up your computer, they won't be able to get it from a fragment of your computer. You have to put it on the internet. Yeah. Backups are important. Yes. And they might be stolen by one of your treacherous subordinates, so be very careful. That would be unfortunate. You won't necessarily have, like, a boyfriend to threaten with uh, imminent destruction to get those back. Yeah. Lonzo, you've got a pretty red tumbler. You want to plug that or any other projects you've been working on? Um, I've been kind of taking a break from Tumblr lately. I put up some, like, fun stuff that I find, but it's, um, I've kind of done away with the daily updates for the time being. Although, if you want to go and look through the backlog of it anyway, that's monzo12782.tumblr.com. The latest thing I put up was a quote from Alan Moore talking about a Bizarro series that he wanted to do in 1984, which would have featured Bizarro Earth 2, which would have been a second Bizarro world, just like touching the tip of the other one. (laughs) So, like, two cubes next to each other? Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh. just touching at the corners. Huh. Oh, and Bizarro Superman would have had, instead of the Phantom Zone, a solid zone, which is just a big block of concrete. <laughs> he'd, go, he'd go up to it and knock on it and say, Bizarro criminals, am you okay in there? We am okay, Bizarro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we am okay, yeah, so they're... Oh, man, maybe maybe we live in, like, the alternate universe where somebody went back in time and canceled that comic, because that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'd take that over Watchmen. Yeah. I'd definitely take over the sequel to Watchmen. I'd take it over oh. Killing Joke. Oh, yeah, I'd take it over Killing Joke. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Alan Moore would take it over Killing Joke. Yeah. Sure, although, uh... I, Although Brian uh, Brian Boland would not take it over Killing Joke because he's still got to be raking in those royalties. Yeah. yeah well, find something else nice for him to draw. Can he draw cubes? <laughs> Cement blocks. Well, wasn't there was some artist attached to this pitch? Wasn't there? Uh, Kevin yes, O'Neill. There was. Kevin O'Neill, right? Who? Who you know? I'm sure he's doing fine with his uh, Legion of or not Legion League of Extraordinary Gentlemen money. Oh, yeah. Maybe not from that movie, but... but yeah. They keep saying they're going to make a new one. I, no, don't. The first one I was mean, so bad it caused Sean Connery to retire. I mean, by saying, I, th- I really mean threatening. Threatening. <laughs> make another one. We'll do it. Unless you give us one billion dollars. Well, wasn't the last movie that Sean Connery was in officially about finding the last beaver in Scotland and he was a skateboarding grandpa? Yes, was, it was yes. a hideously CG animated Scottish movie. Yeah, Guardian of the Highlands or something. Just don't, don't, don't look it up. It's not worth it. it it's don't Google image search it for, oh. for God's sake. The animation <laughs> is nightmare inducing. It's like Food Fight. Worse than Food Fight, possibly. Oh, there is a new animated film in theaters now that is apparently as bad as Food Fight. Oh, yeah, uh, I've Norm seen of the North story. with polar bears. It, yes. it looks bad. Yeah, Rob. I think the lead is Rob Schneider, which gives yep. you some indication as to the quality of the rest of the voice cast. Tells you everything you need to know. Rob Schneider is a polar bear. 
He's going to find out that life in the big city isn't as easy as it looks. Uh. <laughs> oh boy. Please don't go on. I may kill myself. No, just go see Star Wars again or Hateful Eight or something. Wait, yeah. what? We're a movie podcast now? No. Apparently. Well, you know, it's all computer animation. Yeah. yeah. Star Wars has a lot of practical effects for this one. That's true. So much. There's only like two characters that are all CG. It's um, Lupita Nyong'o and who's the other one? Snoke. Oh, right, right, right. It's um, Andy Serkis. He's, uh, what's his name? Claw. Mm-hmm. Oh, should we have plugged TF Wiki? Wait, Mamba, do you still run them? I guess, yeah. They got Tumblr. Well, I do run the TF Wiki Twitter. Yeah. And it's kind of me and McFeely who do the Tumblr. Oh. I think Walkie has access to it, too, but he never seems to use it. Hmm. Well, he's pretty pretty busy these days. Well, right now he has the the children. (laughs) Swanlings. Daily webcomic. That whole, yeah. A daily webcomic that he's like, what, still three months ahead time? Although, well, probably he had to be because, you know, babies. They're babies. Uh, totally babies. So anyway, in, until next time, barring the destruction of the universe, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. I'm Matt. Matt. And I'm David. You no longer exist. This podcast no longer exists. Because the event's over, but there will be another episode. Yeah, there's always more Transformers. Always. Another is there. I unleash the storm of vengeance! Farewell! Maximals, the future has changed. Yes, the Autobots lose. Evil triumphs. And you, you no longer exist. <laughs> <laughs>